Good morning, everybody. And it is great to have you with us this morning. Hope everybody's having a great day. To all the dads who are here in the audience, all those who are watching online, we want to say happy Father's Day to all of you. And if you came into town today to see Dad, to um, get a free meal, that's awesome. I appreciate you doing that. I know Dad appreciates you coming in so that he can buy you food. That's going to be great. And uh, so uh, make sure that Dad takes you to a great place. I mean, it's his day, right? Uh, make sure dad takes you to a really good, a really good place. I know he will appreciate that. Appreciate your visit. Remember it for a long time. Every time he looks at his bank account, he'll remember your visit with him uh, today. Hey, if you're sitting near dad, uh, go ahead and take your phone out. We like to do our um, Father's Day selfie time. Uh, don't want to, um, uh, we don't want to, we don't want to let a moment go by for you to remind the world that you are dad's favorite. Some of you are here and your brothers or sisters did not come today. And you need to remind them that you are dad's favorite. So if you're anywhere near dad, just go ahead and uh, get your selfie. I've got um, one kid that's off in Nashville right now, but another that's right here. Love you. Love you. I don't know if that counts. Hey, Marco, you're back. Hey, Marco Diaz has spent two weeks uh, in Mexico working with the Christians there, and uh, we are so glad to have you back. Brother, thank you for the wonderful work uh, that you were doing, and for those who uh, went along with you also. Uh, we are so glad, again, to have you with us, everybody, today, and hope that you are looking forward not only to spending the day with Dad, but also you've been looking forward to being able to enjoy uh, a great day of, of worship uh, and encouragement. Uh, you know, last week as we were together, uh, we were talking about uh, this guy in the Old Testament by the name of Abraham. And he heard, he heard God's call in his life and he answered. He got off the couch. He did not just stay there. Instead, he got up and he went and he did something. We talked last week how that faith is active and faith is, is mobile. The Bible says that we walk by faith. We don't sit by faith. We don't lie down by faith. We walk by faith. And hopefully, that walk ends up turning into a run. Abraham, Scripture says, when he was called to go to a land he would later receive as his inheritance, he obeyed and went, even though, catch this, he did not know... He didn't know where he was going. He didn't know. And yet he got up and he went. You know, each week we're going to be reading about the lives of different faith witnesses. And all during the summer we're going to be talking about these men and women of, of faith. And that's how scripture describes them. But it's not just so that we can learn. It's not just so that we can fill our minds with more Bible knowledge. It's, it's all about living. The time that we spend together, it's not just about information, but it needs to also be about application. And so last week, we learned some things about Abraham and Sarah. And my question for us is this, what did we do with that information? I mean, what did we do with it? Did we just come in and sit down and hear some more facts about Abraham and Sarah? Did, did you go to your Bible classes and listen to the cloud of witnesses that surrounded you in class talk about their faith journey and then just go home and, and say, well, you know, that was nice and that was some good information and I was, I was glad to learn that. Or did you go out and did you walk? Did you run by faith? What, what courageous action did you take over this last week? 
How did you trust in God's faithfulness? You heard in your Bible classes last week personal stories from men and women who launched out in obedience to God. But what difference did those stories make in your life? You see, our time together, it's not primarily about accumulating more biblical knowledge. It's about moving one another to acts of love and good works. So don't tell me what you did or did not learn last week. Tell me, tell me how you lived. Because you can sit in Bible class after Bible class and you can memorize verse after verse. But if it does not make an impact in your faith walk the rest of the time, it has been wasted time. So tell me, how did you live? How did you get up and go? What did your faith do this last week? You know, Abraham, he got up, he went, he had no idea where he was going. And he had no clue as to the adventure that, that he was about to undertake. He had no idea what God had in store for him. And he also had no idea how difficult and nuanced obedience would be. So here's what we're going to do today. We're going to spend a little bit more time with Abraham and, and Sarah. Appropriate, I guess, on Father's Day to, to look more with Father Abraham. And so we're going to keep following his story. And as you follow the story of Abraham, you see that God promises to use Abraham in a big and huge way. He wants to use Abraham to create a nation of his very own. A peculiar people, Scripture will call it. And Abraham could have had all kinds of objections when told that it would be through his lineage that this great nation would come. He'd been married to his wife for decades. And they didn't have any children. And he was elderly at this point when God comes to him. And yet Genesis 15 and verse 6 just says this. Abraham believed the Lord. When God said, Abraham, I'm going to make you a mighty nation. Your descendants, they're going to be more numerous than that sand. It just says he believed the Lord. Circumstances didn't give him a lot of confidence. There was nothing about the situation that would have given him faith necessarily. We talked last week how that he grew up in a family that did not even honor and worship Jehovah God. But he believed when God said, this is what's going to happen. He believed that what God said he would do, he would do. And scripture says that's faith. You see, so much of our story comes down to one very simple question. Do I believe God? Do I really believe God? You see, how you and I answer that question has the potential to radically change the outcome of our story. Do I believe God? You don't get the job that you apply for. You, you don't get into the school that you wanted to get into. Do you believe that God still works for good in all things? Maybe you struggle with generosity and giving isn't easy. And like most of us, you find it's a lot easier to be greedy and to be selfish. But do you believe God? Do you believe God when he says it's more blessed to give than it is to receive? Do you believe when God says by giving that you store up treasures for yourself in heaven? Do you believe that it really comes down to just something that simple? Do I believe God? Do I believe that God knows best for my marriage, for my relationships, for my dating, do I believe that God loves me? Do I really believe God? Or do I, do I believe the world? Do I believe the culture? Do I believe what others say about God? Do I believe in my own intuition? What is it that I actually believe? 
Do I really believe that one day this earth is going to fade away? Do I believe that heaven is our only hope and that's where salvation lies? Do I really believe of of being reunited with, with loved ones, perhaps with a father who has gone on before? What do I really believe? If somebody was writing your story, would there just be a page that says, he believed the Lord? She believed God. See, faith is, faith is not believing that God will do whatever I want him to do. Sometimes we think, we think that way. That if I pray hard enough and if I, if I really want it enough and I ask God for it over and over, that God's just going to do what I want him to do. And I have faith that God will answer my prayer and do what I want. But that's not biblical faith. Biblical faith is believing that God will do what he said that he would do and that God can do whatever he wants to do, whether I ask him or want it or not. That's faith. And Abraham models it for us. He has faith in God against all hope. That's how Paul would tell Christians in Romans chapter 4. He says, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was good as dead since he was about a hundred years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promises of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. It didn't make sense. It was against all hope. But Abraham believed that God would do what he promised to do. When God said, Abraham, you're going to have all these descendants. All of these grandkids and great-grandkids and great-great-grandkids. And one day, you're going to be called Father Abraham. And here he was without child. And yet he believed God. When you read more in his story, you come to a place in the Old Testament, Genesis chapter 16. And this is what's happening with Abraham and Sarah. You see, they believe God, but they also believe that God was running slow. He's not moving according to their timetable. So Sarah and Abraham decide that God needs a little bit of help. Ever made this mistake with God? That you've just decided that he, he just needs a little nudge. He just needs a little reminder of how things are supposed to work out. You think God needs your help and then that ends up inevitably getting you in trouble very quickly. And so Sarah wants to move things along and so she comes up with with this plan that we read about in Genesis chapter 16 and and she basically just gives Abraham a hall pass. She says, the text, Abraham, Sarah's wife, born him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. She says, Abraham, we're old and we know what God has promised and we believe God, but... I just don't see how that's going to happen here with us. But as is custom in, in our culture, why, why, don't you, why don't you see if you can conceive a child with, with Hagar? Why don't you see if you can conceive a child with her and I'll raise that child then as my own and that child will be the one who begins our lineage. And Abraham agrees. You read that, you think, that just sounds crazy. So far removed from that culture, so far removed from that time period, 
It goes against our own sensibilities. How can Scripture say that Abraham and Sarah believe God and yet would come up with some kind of plan like this? And guess what? Her plan works. Hagar conceives a child. And not surprisingly, Sarah becomes very bitter towards her husband's mistress. She mistreats her. Hagar ends up being sent away into the wilderness, pregnant and alone. And there are all kinds of problems that start to come because Abraham and Sarah get out ahead of God. And it gets us all in trouble. You see, even the most faithful among us have moments when we end up running ahead of God. Abraham and Sarah, they're lauded in Scripture, held up as the paragons of faith. Abraham, the father of the faithful. Paul will use Abraham as an example in Romans to talk about what righteousness looks like. And yet here they make a decision that is totally not God-honoring. And it just reminds us that even those of us, even those of us with faith have moments where we just get ahead of God. I was thinking that, you know, if each of our stories were in a book, maybe some of the titles could reflect the content of the way that we go about acting in our life. Maybe your book could be called No Way because God says, here's what I want and you just respond with rebellion and you go in the opposite direction. Or maybe a title could be Halfway. God says, here's what I'm calling you to do. Here's my expectation for your life. And we say, yeah, but. Because we have some exception clauses and it's a part-time faith. And over here at work or over here at school, it's or with this group of friends, not so much, but if we're with our church people, then we're strong. And so it's this halfway kind of deal. Another title for the story of our life could be My Way. I'm committed to what God says that he wants, but not necessarily in how God wants to do it. And that's what we see with Abraham and Sarah. They were committed to God's destination, but they were not necessarily looking to God for direction on how to get there. They want to do things their way. And it just causes all kinds of trouble. And dads, you understand this, right? You understand this because you have tried to teach your kids how to do certain things. Now, now since my son Micah is not here, I'm going to talk about him today. That's what you get to do as a preacher. When your child's not here, you get to, um, you get to talk about him. Uh, we were uh, outside and working on uh, mowing the lawn the other day. And so I'm talking with him about the lawnmower and, and, and the weed eater. And, you know, we're going through all this stuff. And I'm explaining different things about the, how to raise and lower the height on the lawnmower. And, and Micah the whole time is going, yeah, 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 yeah. I got it. I got it. I know. I know. Yeah, I got it. It's all good. I said, no, it's not all good because you were just mowing and you missed like half the yard. He's like, well, I can't see it. I'm like, well, we need to go talk to Dr. Kapperman because look at this. There is this huge swath of grass that's right out here. Oh, no, no, I got it, I got it, I got it. And dads, how many times have you heard that? And for my father that's watching from home, I know, I told him all the time. I know, I got it, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I got it, I know. And then dads, you get that phone call one day 
you answer it, and it's your son or daughter, and they say, Dad, how do I, right? You've gotten that call. You've made that call. Abraham and Sarah, they were committed to God's destination, but they were not necessarily looking to God for direction on how to get there. It was all about doing things their way. And it gets them in all kinds of trouble. Hagar is going to give birth to a son named Ishmael. And God says, you know what? I'm going to create a great nation from him. This is Abraham's son, and I'm going to give Ishmael a nation of his own. And so he becomes the father of the Arab nations. And listen to what Genesis 16 and verse 12 says of Ishmael. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he will live in hostility towards his brothers. So you've got Ishmael and you're going to have a brother named Isaac that's going to come along when God fulfills his promise through Abraham and Sarah. Now Ishmael, he's the father of the Arab nations. Isaac is going to be the father there of the Jewish nations and the Christian nation if you really think about it. And so what do you have now, even thousands of years later? You pull out the news app on your phone and you pull something up and you hear about tension in the Middle East. You hear about problems between Palestinians and Israelis. What do you see happening? It's Isaac and it's Ishmael. And they're still not getting along. Still in conflict All because of a choice and a decision that was made so many centuries ago. You see, when we choose to disregard God's direction, we are not the only ones who become lost. And guys, this should be a flashing warning for every father, for every parent that's in this room. The way that we live out our faith today will echo for generations. It will. The decisions of faith that we make will echo down from generation to generation to generation. And this isn't to put some guilt trip on moms and dads because you look and you say, well, I did all that I could and I don't understand the direction that my family has made. That's not the point. It's just trying to point out a truth. The decisions that we make don't just impact ourselves. And when we do choose to go in a different direction from God, we're not the only ones that are going to be lost. But there's another way. Of course, it's God's way, and this is the way that he would want to title our stories. Just have it be there right on the front cover, God, God's way. Where it's just complete surrender and we say, God, here's the pen and I'm going to let you write it. It's going to be on your timing and it's going to be about your will and you're going to write my story. And you might think it sounds strange to say that about your life because you look at yourself and you feel very inadequate. And yet that's what you're going to see all through this summer as we go through and look at these different characters of faith. These individuals were not perfect. These individuals did not have it all together. And then here comes God over and over again. And he uses the least likely people to accomplish his purpose and tell his story. Abraham was old. And Isaac was insecure. And Jacob was a cheat. And Leah was unattractive. And Joseph was a slave. Moses stuttered. And Gideon was fearful. And Samson was proud. And Rahab was immoral. 
David has an affair. Elijah was suicidal. Jeremiah was depressed. Jonah was disobedient. Naomi was a widow. Mary was a poor teenage girl. John the Baptist was eccentric. Peter was impulsive. Martha worried all the time. The Samaritan woman had several failed marriages. Thomas had his doubts. Paul was in poor health. Timothy was timid. And the list just goes on and on of the people that God would use to tell his story. It's not individuals that you would expect, but it's the individuals that God chose. And so maybe you've thought before, who am I? And the answer is, you're nobody. But you can tell everybody about a somebody that can use anybody. And the question comes, why? Why does God use this long list of imperfect misfits to accomplish his purposes? Why would he use an elderly, infertile couple to populate a nation? Because he chooses the least likely people so that his strength has an opportunity to shine in our weaknesses. And that's what you see in those witnesses from Hebrews chapter 11 that are all heralded for their faith. Not a single one of them could have achieved greatness on their own. Each one was imperfect and lacking, and each faced pivotal moments of doubt. Yet it was their doubts and their duplicitousness and their sin. These things did not disqualify them from God's purpose because each was used by God to give voice and action to what has become the beautiful story that we come here today and that we celebrate. And it's in their stories that we're reminded Faithfulness is not perfection. Faithfulness is direction. It's walking humbly with God. And those guys and gals, those guys and gals of old, they just kept walking. And sometimes they got ahead of God. And sometimes they lagged behind. Sometimes they and their family suffered the consequences because they disregarded God's direction. More than one of them questioned their own qualifications. But get this, they kept walking. And so for everyone who doesn't feel like they are qualified to be a part of the story that God is writing, for everyone that feels like, you know what, it's just too late. It's just too late for me. I'm just too old and I've made too many mistakes. I've had too many chances and I've blown them all. For everyone who feels like I don't have the resources or the gifts, I don't have the right talents, then you look at Abraham and Sarah and you know that God uses people just like you and me. He uses people who one moment are willing to leave everything and go in the direction that God calls, launching out on faith. And then those same people the next moment choose to go in their own direction, doing their own thing, thinking that God's way just isn't going to work. You know, we said earlier that faith is believing that God will do what he says he will do. But faith is also believing that God will use those who he calls. And so a nation is built by using this elderly and fertile couple. And a neighborhood is built by using a stay-at-home mom who is kind of quiet, but she opens up her home every week for a Bible study. And when God builds a school, he uses the student who doesn't have a whole bunch of friends, maybe, to start a Bible study that ends up turning that school upside down. And when God builds a family, he uses the father who grew up without a father as an example 
To now lead not only his family, but to lead other men and leading their families. That's how God works and that's what God does. And when God builds a church, he uses a widow who prays faithfully. He uses a manager who serves humbly. He uses a single dad who works 50 hours a week but finds a way to be generous with other people. These are the people that God uses to build. They're not perfect. They don't have it all together. They don't have it all figured out. And their faith is not always that strong. He uses the broken pieces. He uses the damaged pieces. And he says, hey, watch what I can do with this. You know, last week I had a puzzle. I had a puzzle that was up here with me. And you know, it's frustrating when you try to put together puzzles and you don't, you don't have the picture. But what's even more frustrating though is when you get to the end of the puzzle and you're missing a piece, right? One of our teenagers last week, Abby Kate Bailey, she came to me. She said, you know what? My brother Alex, he always hides a puzzle piece. And the family just kind of expects it now. And so they put together the puzzle and they're like, Alex, where's the piece? And you just go all around looking for that piece and you want the puzzle to fit. You want everything to be perfect, but it just seems like always there's something missing. And here's what I'm wondering this morning. Is it possible that you are the missing piece to God's picture? Is it possible that he has this picture and yet there's a place missing and it's your piece? He's missing the piece of the story that he wants to tell. You see, really it's only when our story becomes part of his story that it begins to make sense. It, it starts to make sense of the piece that we have been given and we begin to see this is what we have been made for to be part of the story of God. And that's the invitation this morning. You see, Abraham was chosen by God, not because he was qualified, not because he deserved it, but because God needed Abraham and Sarah as part of his story. God needed to be able to tell people today on Father's Day in 2019 that the father of the faithful was not perfect in his faithfulness. Because there are some dads in the room that need to hear this. There's some dads that need to hear that God can still use you even though your faith is not perfect. He chose Abraham and Sarah to be a part of his story. God needed their moments of faithfulness and faithlessness. And on this day, God is also calling. I really think he's calling you. He's calling me not because we're qualified, not because we deserve it, not because that we have done anything that merits his calling, but because he wants us to tell his story through our life. It's a story of faith. God's faith in us. You see, God believes in you. God believes in you. And isn't that what every child longs to know about their dad? Yeah, I gave my son a hard time. In fact, I even called Tanya. I said, you'll never believe what we're doing right now in this yard. 
And she said, be nice. And I said, I am. And we finished up and I said, all right, now that you've been out here and you've done all this and I said, next time I'm just going to bring you and drop you off and leave you. I said, you think you can do all this on your own without, without dad here? He said, yeah. I know it. I got it. I can do it. And so soon I'll take him and I'll drop him off and we'll see if his eyesight has improved. And but more than learning how to work in a yard, what I hope my son found out was that his father believes in him. And maybe that's what you needed to hear today. That there's a good, good father who has called you to a task that you might not understand, that you might not feel ready to accomplish. And yet he believes in you. Otherwise, he wouldn't have called you in the first place. So maybe what you need to do this morning is respond to that call. Maybe in faith, what little bit you have this morning, you need to respond to that call saying, you know what? I want to submit my life to Jesus Christ. I want to be baptized into Christ. I want to be made new again. Maybe what you need to do in response to that call of God is to come before this family and just say, you know what? Well, I really need the prayers of the other fathers in this room. I need the other dads in this room to be praying for me as I am raising my kids that, that they will get more good out of what I'm telling them than bad. And that I will have strength to continue this journey. Maybe what you need to do in order to answer the call today is, is not come anywhere down front, but you need to leave and you need to go out these doors and you need to be the voice. You need to be the spokesman to tell the story of God in your life. God believes in you. Do you believe your father? Let's stand and give him praise.